Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. said last week that I have a prophetic prophetic uh, preach for you, um, but as I preach it, I pray that it goes out because it's not just for us, it's for the body of Christ, it's, it's for the church as a whole. But before I go there, I want to explain a couple of things to you so you, you understand the dimensions of what's happening in this church and what God is doing. It's a profound thing. There is a depth in this church and in many churches that God is beginning to redig those wells and, and bring forth the gold, like I said to Katie, just bring forth the gold out of all the experiences we've all been through, all the things we've all been through. It's like God is bringing forth the gold now and he's going to reveal his heart to his church. But let's just look at Ephesians 4.18. I want to just quickly explain something to you and then I'm going to get into the message. I'm going to read this out, actually. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. It's always good to actually read your Bible. And sometimes it's really good to read it on a page as well because this is the Bible that you, as a church, bought me in 1998 for Mother's Day. You as a church bought me this Bible and I've bought so many Bibles since and I have to just keep going back to this old beauty because it's got my heart in here all over the place and it's really hard. It's like a map, isn't it? But let's look at this Ephesians 4 and we're going to start in verse 11. Uh, I'll go a bit further back. Um, When he ascended on high, he left captives in his train. This is Jesus. He ascended And then he said, and he gave gifts to men. Now we go down to verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, everyone say mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Everybody say the whole measure of the fullness of God. Say that. The whole measure. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Everyone say deceitful scheming. Great. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Everybody say, speaking the truth in love. That's a good. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body, everybody say the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Everyone say supporting ligament. Amen. We need our supporting ligaments. Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. Yeah. 
So what you have to understand in a church like ours, which is apostolic, prophetically driven church, when you've got an apostolic, prophetic driven church, we would build our church on that, that it's the five-fold ministry. All five-fold ministries need to be released from this platform and in a message each other so that we might hear the fullness of the message of Christ, come to maturity, grow up, and then go and do the works of the ministry ourselves. Because the works of the ministry were never meant for people that are on platforms. The works of the ministry were meant for the body of Christ. Amen? And as we, as a team here, release the different gifts that are on our lives, you are then getting a full meal and you do not remain as infants tossed around by every wind of doctrine or by the deceitful schemes of the enemy. You begin to grow up into Christ because you're getting a full meal. You're not just having ice cream. You're getting veggies. You're getting some steak. You're getting stuff. So turn on. Yes. So, you know, here's a very, very, what's the word, childlike description of those gifts so we understand. The apostle, the visionary leader, carving out vision, always thinking big picture, always in a realm, always in a realm in God where he's thinking big picture. The apostle will always not just be thinking local church, but he's thinking the church. He's thinking the church locally, regionally, you know, nationally and globally. He's thinking, how can we expand the church? How can we grow the church? How can we, you know, that's a visionary leader, the pastor. He keeps the sheep safe. They're fed. He keeps them in the paddock. He doesn't like to shear them too much, but he knows that every now and again he has to shear them, otherwise they're going to get dags. Who knows what a dag is? We don't need to go into that. A shepherd loves to nurture and and grow and love on people. Like when you hear Luke Boyd preach, you know you're hearing from the shepherd's voice. You know that that voice, it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel like I want to grow in God. It makes me feel, it, it makes me believe in myself. It encourages me where I am right now. And, it, and, it's, and like a shepherd, I'm gently led into the right paddocks to eat the right grass and to hear the shepherd's voice. So the teacher You know, the teacher teaches, he opens the Word of God, he takes concepts and makes them simple and understandable. How many of you know when you hear a true teacher speak that, you know, even Luke does that a little and so does Ra a little, Pastor Phil definitely does that, Garth is the epitome of the teacher. You know, it's it's like someone can take the Scriptures and get one one piece of scripture and unravel that until it's like, oh my gosh, that is so simple. I didn't see that. And then give you the ability to apply it to your life. That's a teacher. How many know we need that? The evangelist. The evangelist will always bring us back to the cross and the humanity of Jesus. When you hear, when you hear Ra preach, where do we go? We go back to the cross. 
When you hear Ra preach, what do you hear? You hear the humanity of Jesus. You hear that Jesus gets you. Jesus is walking with you. Jesus is, understands you. We, you know, and, and if you want to understand your Christian life, you need to get back to the cross and understand the price that has been paid for you. And then in, in, as the evangelist preaches that, as the evangelist speaks that, it's, in, it's threaded through every one of their messages. It, you can't get away from it. It empowers us to remember what Jesus has done for us, what he said for us. It, it grounds us back to the cross and then it releases us and encourages us to go and share the good news with other people. That's the fivefold ministry evangelist that we have in the church. Amen. And lastly, the prophet. And this is the gift that I function in. A prophet brings revelation of the resurrected Christ. So the prophet will take you from the cross to the resurrection, to the Christ that's seated in heavenly places right now. And the prophet learns to live in that place, to live in the throne room of God and live in that place where, where you know, right there in the throne of God, in the council of the Lord, they call it the council of the Lord, to be living in that space so that that prophet will be able to hear what God is saying to the church right now as a body, as a people, and as individuals, and then be able to bring that message down to earth again and ground it and release it with love. Amen? Yeah. The prophet has a, a, a God-given anointing for breakthrough. So when you're under the anointing or under the sound of a prophet's voice, you'll feel things begin to break off your life and it's just because of the gift that God releases over that person or over that situation or that time. A prophet sees into the unseen realm. And in fact, a prophet will see two realms at exactly the same time all the time. I can't shut it off. You know, I was with Katrina in a cafe yesterday. We went on a art retreat for five days. It was amazing. Just painted for a whole week. It was amazing. But we're sitting in this cafe having lunch and she's a seer and she sees really clearly into people's lives, but she can turn it off. She can go, I'm not in that realm right now. I'm turning it off. I'm having lunch. Me, I cannot. I cannot turn it off. If I look at people, it's activated because my heart is for humanity. My heart is for people. And so when I look at them, I can't see them as they are. I see them in the spirit realm. I see them in two dimensions. I see them as they are right now in the natural. And then at the same time, I see them as they are in the spirit. It's like God reveals their soul to me. God reveals their spirit to me. He'll tell me where they are, what's happening in their lives, where they need help, how he needs me to intercede, what he needs me to pray about. So many times, you know, I'm awake in the night. I probably average around three hours sleep a night sometimes because that's when God awakens me to pray through those things so that I don't get anxious because who knows that don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and petition and supplication, make your requests be known to God and the God of all peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The God of all peace will guard you if you take the burdens that are there and you give them back to God. But if you just walk around with those on you, you're going to get anxious real quick. We need to learn to live in that place. Amen. So a lot of people think that um, a prophet or prophetic people 
just come to give encouragement, exhortation, and comfort, EEC. That is prophetic ministry. But when you speak about a prophet in the fivefold fashion, they bring encouragement, exhortation, comfort, correction, direction, rebuke. They can come and they can bring order and they can put things in right places and they can bring the word of the Lord and bring deliverance and ministry and healing. Amen? So really the prophetic comes, being with God, sees things in two realms all the time, in two spaces all the time. And then their job is to uncover the lies that are entrapping people, entrapping churches, entrapping the kingdom of God Bring the truth from God. Reveal the truth. And how many of you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the prophet is here to bring clear light and truth so that the deception around our lives is broken off and we are released to live the way God wants us to live, both in an individual way and in a corporate way. And as I said, as the church across the world, as the prophets are honoured and released, it's a, piece of, it's a piece of the meal that if we don't eat it, we're going to be undernourished and we're going to be sick. The same as we need all that. All that's given to us, we need all of that. Imagine if it was a prophet speaking to you every week. You'd just go, this is way intense. But if it was a pastor speaking to you every week, you'd get lazy, sloppy, you just... You'd never move out of your comfort zones. You know what I mean? It was an evangelist speaking to you every week. You'd want to go and get everybody saved, but you'd never look after your own soul. So it's a balance to all the giftings that we bring. Who understands that? So I'll just have a drink, please. Water and tea. Thanks. See, I love this. This is the place the prophet lives. And I know we all live in this place. Don't just say, you know, it's not like one's higher than another. And, you know, as Ra explained last week. But this is the place that the prophet lives. Looking into the eyes of God, finding wisdom, sitting there, waiting on God. And then hoping with all heart and soul that you could bring something to earth that makes a difference and makes the kingdom of God advance on earth. So the Lord gave me a prophetic word a few weeks ago and I'm gonna put it up later and I put it up last week. But basically he said to me, tell my church it's time to get dressed. It's time to get dressed. And I I saw in the spirit realm, I saw the church with clothing on the shelf but they were walking around naked. And they thought they were dressed, but they weren't dressed because the things that he had given them over different seasons, different experiences, different, uh, different facets of what he had put into their lives, prophetic words and, and you know, visions and, and dreams and, and things that they believed in once, but they got tired and they got worn out and then they, they folded up their, these garments that God had given them and put them on a shelf and they're dusty. And I saw them on shelves with dust and, and it had written over it, discouragement. It had written over it, discouragement. It had over it, you know, fear. It had over it, anxiety. You know, all these things 
that was stopping people from putting on the clothing that God had given them to wear as the body of Christ for the most empowering, uh, powerful representation of his church on the earth, but it was sitting on a shelf and it was covered in dust. And I said to the Lord, explain to me this nakedness, you know, and he said to me, read the story of the emperor's new clothes. Who knows that story from a child? I'm going to read it to you. <clears throat> Many years ago, there was an emperor so exceedingly fond of his new clothes that he spent all his money on being well-dressed. He cared nothing about reviewing his soldiers, going to the theatre or going for a ride in his carriage except to show off his new clothes. He had a coat for every hour of the day and instead of saying, as one might, about one other ruler, the, king, the king's in council, they're always saying the emperor is in his dressing room. In a great city where he lived, life was always gay. That's happy, by the way. Every day, many strangers came to town and among them one day came two swindlers. Let it be known they were weavers and they said they could weave the most magnificent fabrics imaginable. Not only were their colours and patterns uncommonly fine, but clothes made of this cloth had a wonderful way of becoming invisible to anyone who was unfit for his office or who was unusually stupid. Those would be just the clothes for me thought the emperor. If I wore them, I would be able to discover which men in my empire were unfit for their posts. And I could tell the wise men from the fools, yes, I certainly must get some of the stuff woven for me right away. He paid the two swindlers a large sum of money to start work at once. They set up looms, pretended to weave, though there was nothing in the looms. Everyone say deception. All the finest silk and the purest old thread which they demanded went into their travelling bags while they worked the empty looms far into the night. Everybody say, the devil comes to kill and rob and destroy. Amen. I'd like to know how these weavers are getting on with the cloth, the emperor thought, but he felt slightly uncomfortable when he remembered that those who were unfit for their position would not be able to see the fabric. Everyone say deception. It couldn't have been that he doubted himself, yet he thought he'd rather send someone else to see how things were going. The whole town knew about the cloth's peculiar power and all were impatient to find out how stupid their neighbours were. I'll send, my honest old, I'll send my honest old minister to the weavers. The emperor decided he'll be the best one to tell me how the material looks, for he's a sensible man and no one does his duty better. So the honest old minister went to the room where the two swindlers sat working away at their empty rooms. Heaven help me, he thought. He thought his eyes flew wide open. I can't see anything at all. But he did not say so. Both the swindlers begged him to be so kind as to come near to approve the excellent pattern, the beautiful colours. They pointed to the empty looms and the poor old minister stared as hard as he dared. He couldn't see anything because there was nothing to see. Heaven have mercy, he thought. Can it be that I'm a fool? I've ne I, I have never guessed it and not a soul must know, but I am unfit to be the minister. It would never do to let on that I can't see the cloth. Don't hesitate, 
hesitate to tell us what you think, said one of the weavers. Oh, it's beautiful. It's enchanting. The old minister peered through his spectacles. Such a pattern. What colours? I'm sure to tell the emperor how delighted I am with it. We're pleased to hear that, the swindlers said. And they proceeded to name all the colours <clears throat> and to explain the intricate pattern. The old minister paid the closest attention so that he could tell it to, all to the emperor. And so he did. The swindlers at once asked for more money, more silk, gold thread. And it went into their pockets. Not a thread went into the looms as they worked on the weaving as hard as ever. The emperor presently sent another trustworthy official to see how the work progressed and the same thing happened. Isn't it a beautiful piece of goods, the swindlers asked him, and they displayed their imaginary pattern. I know I'm not stupid, the man thought, so it must be that I'm unworthy of my good office. That's strange. I mustn't let anyone find out, though. And he declared he was delighted with the beautiful colours and exquisite pattern, and it held me spellbound, he said. All the town were talking of this splendid cloth, and the emperor wanted to see it for himself while it was still in the looms, attended by a band of chosen men, among whom were his old trusted officials, the ones who had been to the weavers he sent out to see the two swindlers. He found them weaving with might and main, but without a thread in their looms. Magnificent, said the two officials, already duped. Just look, Your Majesty, to the empty looms, each supposing that others would see the stuff. What's this, thought the emperor. I can't see anything. This is terrible. I'm a fool. I'm unfit to be an emperor. Oh, wow. How many of us have been told that we're unfit to be a Christian? We're unfit to operate in the gift that we have. We're unfit. You know, we're unfit to, to speak of the gospel. We're unfit to pray. We're unfit to come into the presence. How many, how many of us have been in the same place? What a thing to happen to me of all people. Oh, it's very pretty, he said. It has my highest approval. And he nodded appropriation and empty, uh, at the empty room. Nothing could make him say that he couldn't see it. The whole retinue stared and stared one day, no more than after the other. They all joined the emperor in exclaiming, oh, it's very pretty. They all advised him to wear clothes made of this wonderful cloth, especially for the great procession he was about to lead. How many know there's a great procession we're about to lead? And how many of you know the enemy is telling you that you're, you are naked, you're unclothed, that, you know, but he's telling you you're clothed, but you're not. He's telling you you're clothed, but you're not. He's telling you're okay, but you're not. And then it says, magnificent, excellent, unsurpassed, uh, went from mouth to mouth, and the emperor gave each of the swindlers a cross to wear in his buttonhole and the title of Sir Weaver. <laughs> Before the procession, the swindlers, swindlers sat up all night and burned more than six candles to show how busy they were in finishing the emperor's new clothes. They pretended to take the cloth off the loom. They made cuts in the air with huge scissors. And at last they said, now the emperor's new clothes are ready for him. Then the emperor himself came with his noblest noblemen and the swindlers, each raised an arm as if they were holding something. These are the trousers, here's the coat, and this is the mantle, naming each garment. And all of them are as light as a spider web. One would almost think he had nothing on, but that's because they're so fine. Exactly all the noblemen agreed, but they could see nothing. They could see absolutely nothing. If your imperial majesty will condescend to take your clothes off, said the swindlers, we will help you put on the new ones here in front of the mirror. 
The emperor undressed and the swindlers, the emperor undressed, the church undressed and put their clothes on a shelf and put on something that was deceiving. One garment after another. They took him around the waist and seemed to be fastening something. There was this train and they turned around and around before looking into the mirror. How many of you know when you look into the mirror of the image of God, it's when you see yourself. But when you look into a deceptive mirror, you will never see yourself in Christ's image. Amen. How well your majesty's new clothes look. Aren't they becoming? You heard all the sounds. That pattern, that's so perfect. It's magnificent. How many people will, will, you know, will be afraid to speak the truth in this day? How many people are going to dance around issues and be afraid to speak truth in our day when we really need to say, this is black, this is white, this is God, this is not? Then the minister of public processions announced, your majesty's canopy is awaiting outside. Well, I'm supposed to be ready, the emperor said, and turned again to let one last look in the mirror. It is a remarkable fit, isn't it? He seemed to regard his costume with the greatest interest. The noblemen who were to carry his train stooped low and reached to the floor as if they were, as if they were picking up a mantle. As if they were picking up a mantle. It's amazing, isn't it? A kid's story. Thank you, Jesus. Then they pretended to lift it and hold it high. They didn't dare admit they had nothing to hold. So off went the emperor in procession under his candid, splendid canopy. Everyone in the streets and the windows said, oh, how fine are the emperor's new clothes. Don't they fit to perfection? See how the long train. Nobody would confess that he couldn't see anything, for they would prove him either unfit for his position or a fool. How many Christians are afraid to speak right now in case someone calls them a fool? No costume the emperor had worn before had ever been such a complete success but he hasn't got anything on, a little child said. But he hasn't got anything on, a little child said. Unless we become like little children, we will not see the kingdom of God. Unless we become like little children, we will not see the realm of the Spirit. Amen? Sorry, my thing just shut. got anything on a little child said did you ever hear such innocent prattle said his father how many people when 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 christians want to tell the truth there's someone always there you know trying you know oh don't take any notice of my overly zealous christian friend Uh, it's just innocent prattle said its father and one person whispered to another what the child had said he hasn't anything on the child says he hasn't anything on But he hasn't got anything on. The whole town finally cried out. A little child will lead them. The innocence of a heart that is pure before God will speak truth in innocence and open the eyes and break deception in Jesus' name. This little child is like a prophet. And it's the innocence of a heart that opens the eyes of the blind, amen, and lets us see. But he hasn't got anything on at all. The whole town cried 
out at last. The emperor shivered, for he suspected they were right, but he thought the procession has got to go on. Pride. So he walked more proudly than ever, and his noble one held high the train that wasn't there at all. Wow. You know, it says this in Revelations 3, 14 to 22. To the angel or the pastor or the prophet. When you look at that word, to the angel of the church, it's usually to the leader of the church or the prophet of the church. In Lacedonia, uh, sorry, I don't know how to say that. There is other words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put in your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelations chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. These are the unseen components of Revelation 3 that I just read to you. Three. Number one, buy gold from me refined in the fire. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7 says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For the Spirit... For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Everyone say self-discipline. Buy from me gold. There's a price. When you say, here's a free gift I give you, Jesus often says that. The Father often, here's a free gift, I give you this gift. But he's not saying, I give you a gift here. He's saying, Buy from me gold. You know, there's a price. We live in an age where we want everything easy, everything nice, everything controllable, everything, you know, with boundaries. And just pretend, just pretend that you're clothed. Pretend everything's okay. Pretend that you've got clothes on. Pretend that everything's okay. And let's not talk deeper than that. Let's not go to that place. You know, let's not, let's not really, you know, work out what our pain and our experiences and everything that we're going through is for. Let's just bury that and let's just live with our white picket fences and our nice friends 
and just pretend everything's okay. But buying gold from God, if you knew how gold was purified, you know, gold to be purified is put into the highest, highest heat, an unbearable heat. And as that heat heats that gold up, it liquefies that gold. And then within that gold, the impurities in that gold come to the surface. Amen. Not pushed down, not pretending that, yes, I'm clothed, but you're actually naked. But but the impurities come to the surface. And then the, 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 the man, the one who is purifying the gold, which in this case is Father God or Jesus, Holy Spirit, comes and scoops the dross, what they call the dross or the impurities, off the top and disposes of the impurities. And he keeps heating it up again. The dross comes to the top and he scoops it off again. Buy from me gold. Let your experiences, your persecution, your trials, your pain, let them work for you. Let God work it for you. Don't squash it down. Don't get depressed about it. Don't get anxious about it. Don't ponder on it. Let God work it for you because within that there is gold. Within that there is experience. Within that there is beauty. In every every person that you see is a beautiful person. You'll see they've walked through pain. They've walked through stuff. They haven't just, you know, pretended they've got clothes on and walked through the streets. I'm dressed. Look at me. Don't you dare tell me I'm not. And everybody doesn't dare tell them they're not, but they aren't. But there's a price to pay, amen? And the price isn't beating yourself up. It's not the price of it. If I can just get better for God, you know, then I'll be good enough, you know, for this gold that He wants to give me. You know, the price is like, yes, there's dying to self. Who loves dying to yourself? Who loves dealing with their flesh nature? Who loves wrestling that thing to the ground? Oh my gosh. You know, you just think you're doing okay and then there's a flesh nature. And there it is. And then God, you get in the presence of God. You get in His presence and you say, Lord, refining fire. Put your refining fire on me, God. God, I want to be like you. Jesus, I want to be like you. I repent. I cry out, God. Please, God, deliver me from this thing that continues to just keep me in bondage. You know, the fear, whatever it is. And Lord, come and just come and heat up. Heat up inside me with your holy fire and remove the dross from my life and purify the gold. So number one, who, what was it? Buy gold refined from me in the fire. Amen. Number two, white clothes to cover our nakedness. We know in the Garden of Eden, Adam, uh, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were naked, but they weren't naked because they were clothed in spiritual clothing that they could see because they never walked around saying to God, why are we naked? Why are we naked? Why are we naked? Why are we naked? Because they were clothed in the glory of God. They were clothed in spiritual clothing. And this is the type of clothing that God is wanting us to put on. And when they were deceived by the deceiver or the weaver of the fabric and they were deceived, what did they do? They realized they hid from God and they went, we're naked. Why? Because the glory of God, the glory of God, the clothing, the spiritual clothing that they were supposed to be wearing had been taken off by deception. 
And so they put fig leaves and thought that would do. Fig leaves will do. We'll just cover these bits up. And God going, what are you doing? So God, you know, had to, what have you done? Why did you let deception unclothe you? Why did you let deception put you in this place? And so God had to kill the skin of an animal, the blood of an animal. He had to put the blood on them to cover their nakedness. And that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ covers our nakedness. And when we're under that covering, when we're in that covering, we are clothed, amen? And we are clothed with purity and we're clothed with light and we're clothed with holiness because He is holy. Not because I am holy, but when I'm under the blood covering of Jesus Christ, He is holy, therefore His holiness clothes me. He is righteous, therefore His righteousness clothes me. He is in right standing with God. Therefore, I am clothed in right standing with God. Amen. The enemy exposes our weakness and uncovers us. But the Lord clothes us and empowers us, cleanses us, forgives us, covers us in the blood of the Lamb. Not animal skins, but the blood of the precious Lamb of God. Clothes us in peace, clothes us in purity, clothes us in healing, clothes us in grace, clothes us in beauty. It says here, nor do they put new wine in old wineskins or else the wineskins will break. The wine is spilled out. The wineskins are ruined. But put new wine in new wineskins, and then both are preserved. You know, so much, so many times we come to church, we get filled with God, and then it all leaks out because our wineskins, we haven't got the clothing on that we need to keep the wine. Amen? Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God. Everybody say, put on. Put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. When anxiety and fear come near you, you can stand your ground. When intimidation comes near you, you're standing your ground because you are clothed in the full armour of God. Amen. And after you have done everything, stand. Stand in who Christ is. Not who you are, who He is. Stand in it. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith from which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's time for the church to arise and get dressed. And it's time to take up the spiritual weapons that we have been given and stop trying to fight in our natural selves. It's it's time to arise in who you are, in who Christ has called you to be, in all that He has done for you. Thank you, Lord, for peace in Jesus' name. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. I want to say that again. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take up the Word 
of God. Read it, prophesy it, speak it, amen? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, on all occasions. What's, when's the last time you prayed in the Spirit on all occasions, at work, at school, at the shop, praying under your breath. Pastor feels embarrassing because I can pray under my breath. He's not very good at that. He's got a very loud voice. And he'll be looking at baked beans, for goodness sake. And he's off. And it's like I'm going, kicking him like, but he's praying in the Spirit on all occasions, driving in your car. You wake up in the morning praying in the Spirit. You go to sleep praying in the Spirit. You drive your car praying in the Spirit. You walk down the street praying. You clothe your kids praying in the Spirit. You cook dinner clothing in the Spirit. You go to work praying in the Spirit. You come home praying in the Spirit. Just continuously. The kids were laughing at me last night. We went to see My Fair Lady and we were looking for a parking spot. And I've taught them well, but they think I'm funny. So I'm going, Jesus' name, right now, that parking spot. And they go, Mom, just chill. Like, really? It's like, one day when I'm gone, you're going to thank me for what I've taught you in Jesus' name. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's blessing. Now, the last one, three. Salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Ephesians 1, 18 to 23. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His uncomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand. Listen, the power that's in you is the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in heavenly places. It is in you. It is in you. Let it out. Let it out. Amen. Clothe yourself in power. Amen. Far above every rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under His feet. Hallelujah. And appoint Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body. The fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Ephesians 5, 14 to 16. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Just let me prophesy this over you again. This prophecy, if you can put that up. It's time to get dressed. I felt the Lord encouraging those who have been given royal garments that it's time to get dressed. Like awakening from a long ago dream, many will begin to feel the sense of His all surrounding presence, calling them to come away with me, my love. The encounters you have had with me over many years, the prophecies, the dreams, suddenly will all make sense as I bring all things into focus and alignment. Many have placed their garments on shelves of disappointment, discouragement, thinking that the time has passed, but my timing is perfect. Garments of royalty will be dusted off and shaken free from the enemy's grasp. 
It's time to awaken. It's time to get dressed for the King is bringing divine alignment, clear strategy and life giving fresh anointing to all that will rise in this hour and believe again. Revelations 19, seven to eight. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. Let's stand to our feet in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.